0: Welcome to Art Worlds with me, Dr. Cleo Roberts-Comareddy. This is the podcast that tells you all about the art worlds you might have missed. We're going to journey around the globe and talk to artists, patrons and curators from Cambodia to the Democratic Republic of Congo. With this, we'll build a truly international perspective of the many thriving art worlds. The United Arab Emirates, a federation of seven emirates that runs along the eastern coast of the Arabian Peninsula, bordered by Saudi Arabia and Oman, was historically a region dominated by Arab clans and families. Over the years, imperial powers, including Portugal and Britain, have come and gone, leading to the area's independence and then formal unification in 1971, when Abu Dhabi became the capital. Incorporating this largest federate, Dubai, Sharjah, Ajman, Umm al-Qain, Ras al Khaimah, and Fujairah, the UAE is a place that melds ancient customs and advanced technologies, intensive urban developments and sprawling desert terrains, and immense wealth and want. As the area has undergone rapid transformation and switched its swathes of deserts for cityscapes and opulent resorts, so too has its contemporary art infrastructure blossomed. Over the last few decades, museums, studio spaces, commercial galleries, auction houses, foundations and art fairs have become permanent fixtures with international renown. Maya Allison is the founding executive director and chief curator of the NYU Abu Dhabi Art Gallery that opened in 2014. Integrated within the NYU campus, the gallery has at its forefront an educational mission to expand scholarship of the area's long tradition of artistic practice. Alison has delved in the art communities that predate the international focus on the UAE, curating the seminal exhibition, But We Cannot See Them, that surveyed avant-garde artists and writers associated with the late 1980s. This year, Maya was nominated by the artist Mohamed Ahmed Ibrahim to be the curator of the UAE Pavilion at the 59th Venice Biennale. She joins me from her office in Abu Dhabi to discuss this commission and the advantages of working in an academic environment. So you're the founding director and curator of the art gallery at NYU in Abu Dhabi and your career to date has been very much based in a university context you formerly worked at RISD Museum at the Rhode Island School of Design and also Brown University's Bell Gallery what do you enjoy about this academic space and also how might it differ across continents so it's
1: interesting that um you know, when I look back and realize that I have come to specialize in the academic gallery and museum as an area. And I think it's because um, the role that we play is a hybrid. So a university gallery is an interesting animal because it's both um, working at the level of um, a typical museum in terms of um, protecting heritage, uh, conservation, interpretation, working with audiences, education, and so on. Um, But it's also really conceived of as a teaching, part of the teaching institution. And the, the model that I use is what the teaching hospital is to a medical school, right? So to practice the art of exhibition making, Um, and interpretation and thinking about the questions, the cutting edge questions of what an exhibition can and should be um, is what we do in a university gallery space. Um, And that that practice by its very nature serves the public. And so we're both learning and serving simultaneously in this space.
0: And that must be in an area that potentially hasn't had a huge trajectory and background of organizations like NYU. I imagine that's a really fruitful task.
1: Yeah, it's a really exciting one because I had the luxury of asking this question, what does the UAE need? You know, what do we need? What? How can we help? How can we become a meaningful part of this already very interesting conversation that's happening as, as the, as the country is envisioning what kind of country it's, it is and going to be um, investing in cultural development, um, and in the ecosystem. And, and over time, I realized that the exhibitions um, are interacting with audiences that are very curious about what art um, can do, and there's a sort of an openness to thinking about art Um, in really complex ways that I actually didn't have when I was in the US, where in the US um, audiences often have already decided what they do and don't like. And here there's a much more of a sense of, you know, we're creating it as we go in a way that feels um, really important. Um, And at the same time, what we're doing is making it possible. And this is a role that institutions really do need to play which is to make it possible to see the work that's already there. So there's artwork, from Muhammad Ahmed Ibrahim that he's been making since the 1980s here in the UAE, even though there weren't places to show it or necessarily schools training him in it, he, the community that he was in became that educational um, critiquing, growing experimentation uh, center of, of activity. Um, that is what gives rise to real innovation in art and so our role as an institution is really just about making legible and and sort of laying down the um the story of of what has already been here and sort of telling that on an institutional level allows that narrative to find its way into everyday understanding of what's here um which even people who are from here don't necess- didn't necessarily know that this was going on
0: mm. and you um sort of implicated it in your answer how does the university Gary negotiate its geographic affiliation so it's very much NYU in Abu Dhabi correct
1: so first of all um One of the things about NYU in New York is this motto that they have, which is that they're in and of the city. Um, And because NYU doesn't have a traditional campus, it's buildings that are mixed in with the city itself. NYU Abu Dhabi, on the contrary, has its own enclosed campus. We're open to the public, but it's very clearly the NYU campus. Um, But our goal as an institution is to be in and of Abu Dhabi and the world. And, um, and that we bring the DNA from um, the sort of the NYU New York way of thinking about integrating in a very physical sense with the world around us. Um, but as an institution, it's a global institution. So um, NYU Shanghai is also a four-degree, four-year college, a degree-granting four-year college, um, like NYU Abu Dhabi, where we have engineering, uh, social sciences, biology, chemistry, et cetera, the humanities, history, and the fine arts. Um, it's a full rounded college um, and growing into a graduate university as well. And what we have, what we do differently from our counterparts in the North America is um, really think about our student body population as representative of the world rather than of a particular region. So we really prioritize going out and finding um, students from around the world to become part of the, the The journey of NYU Abu Dhabi as a place where you know you go into a classroom of, say, 20 students, we do these very small intensive seminars. And of those 20 students, they could be each one from a different country. So 20 different countries represented in a conversation about anything, from food and art to culture and science. And you're going to find a really different conversation than if it was all people from the same neighborhood that you're from. Um, And that that kind of complexity of dialogue um, is one of the hallmarks of why of, of how we work as an institution and how we've tr- sort of tried to grow and find our voice here which is to reflect Abu Dhabi itself which the UAE has over 200 countries represented in our population um, and so this becomes um, very much how we, we reflect where we are by
0: reflecting the world in mm. fact. Um, and maybe slightly counterintuitive to that but you're- your actual curatorial work has looked quite in depth at UAE's art history.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it has, it has, and it hasn't. So this is the thing. Um, It's, it happens to be the thing that I'm doing that um, has been not been done very much by other people yet. It's coming to be done more and more. Um, But, you know, when I arrived here and I realized that there was this community of artists that had this incredible history, I thought, oh, I can't wait till somebody does a show about this. You know, and I'm going along doing my exhibitions. You know, I'm not the expert, I don't speak Arabic. And, you know, my expertise is in um, artistic innovation and collaboration and, um, you know, kind of art scenes and art communities. And then at a certain point, I realized um, that the history was people were repeatedly getting the history wrong. They would come to me telling me stories about something I already knew as if they had just discovered it themselves and nobody else knew. And I thought, you know, we need to we need to just put this down in writing and get it out there and um, tell the story of this particular community that was in 2017. You know, but I'm also doing an ex, I did a solo, major solo exhibition of Diane Al Hadid, who is Syrian born but American raised, and then, uh, but, and Slavs and Totters, who are um, a collective uh, that looks at what they call east of the Berlin Wall and west of the Great Wall of China, maybe the sort of cultural history art installations. Um, and then Zamoon, who's a Swiss artist who does these incredible sound installations. So I really do. Um, I'm working across many different types of um, art in terms of region, but the questions that I'm looking at are connected. And so for me, uh, Mohammed Ahmed Ibrahim and the work of the UAE is an exciting subject because there's still so much to say. Um, And so bringing that into the global dialogue of art that we do in the gallery is my mission. So it's to bring the world into dialogue with the exhibition space and bring those worlds of art into dialogue with the UAE's own art history. And you can't do that until you actually tell the history of the UAE. And so that has ended up becoming like the thing that I feel the most passionate about, because writing the history um, of this artist and of the UAE helps me Rethink all the assumptions I have about what art is, how it's valued, how you evaluate it, um, and what a museum does. Um, So it's really, really stimulating work.
0: Yeah. And what I was also interested in is you mentioned that a lot of the work hasn't been done. Is it being done at a faster pace now by other institutions in the region?
1: Yes, yes. So I think what's happening is that um, it in a way it's just, it's almost like the law of, of physics when it comes to this sort of thing, which is, you know, as um, as a, the country came into being after the birth of Mohammed Ahmed Ibrahim, right? So he's born in 19, you know, late 1960s, the country comes into being in 72. Um, and and the period since then has been one of rapid um uh, sort of implementation of things like roads and schools and hospitals, education, um, developing a legal system, all of the things that go into the infrastructure of what we think of as a nation or a country. Um, Those are all happening. And the minute those start happening, the artists start appearing. They're always there, but they become more and more visible as the institutions that allow them to be seen come into view. So we have the Emirates Fine Arts Society, the Cultural Foundation of Abu Dhabi, um, the Sharjah Art Museum, the Sharjah Art Foundation, all of these little institutional moments that turn into sort of what builds over time into the ability to tell the story of who's here and to encourage more people to become artists um, and to make space for more artists. And so when the UAE made this very public commitment to cultural investment, with the museums, with the um, scholarships and so on, at that moment, um, then the question arises, which is, well, what art is already there? What's already, you know, what, is there anything there? And this was the big misunderstanding was this idea that there wasn't, uh, which is just not true. Um, and, And so people like me come along and start looking around, you know, but institutions like the Guggenheim Abu Dhabi are very committed to making sure that this becomes part of the, um concept of their collection and and how they understand the history of the world once you leave New York City what does the history of art look like you know it becomes a different history the minute you move your sort of locus um, of understanding so that's happening I would say you know Doha and Mataf are working on these questions um certainly the Sharjah Art Foundation is filling in a lot of the gaps in our historical la- uh, narrative of the region um, and then, we, and then we have other another show this fall coming, curated by Dr. Aisha Stobi, who's from uh, Oman, and she's an art historian who's written about um, the emergence of modern art in the Gulf across all the different Gulf countries um, throughout the course of the last century. Um, so it's taking, you know, taking my interest and broadening it um, in the hands of somebody who really has dedicated her professional scholarly life to this question.
0: And sh- am I right in thinking she was the curator of Oman's pavilion? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So she's
1: the inaugural Oman pavilion that opened at yeah. the Venice Biennial, um, was curated by the same curator that I've been working with on this project that's going to open this fall called Khalij Modern, which is the um, the history of modern art in the Gulf.
0: Nice. And then yeah. you also were involved um, with the Biennial and you curated the UAE's pavilion. Yes. And you, It was focused on Mohammed Ahmed Ibrahim, who you've referenced throughout our conversation. And yeah. he makes it's quite difficult to describe actually his sculptures. Okay. But these sculptures, they're like spindly and also thick and they're vibrant but also muted. There's something very biomorphic about yes. them. And yes. there's a playfulness, there's a sort of almost um duplo appearance to them uh-huh. but 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 i think what's uh, i what is confounding is that they're made from natural materials um predominantly
1: and, and they're made from paper mache mixed with different natural materials yeah, yeah.
0: and we've I suppose like there are many questions that I could ask about the pavilion, but I think what I wanted to know most about is like what his work... When you show work in a pavilion, it's often to speak about where a region is today and what its concerns are. When you were curating, what does his work reflect on or what does it project that was interesting to you?
1: Um. Well, one of the really sort of Straightforward things is thinking about um, our audiences whose only image of the UAE, if they know anything, is of Dubai's skyline, the tallest building in the world, Um, and this rep. You know, all these you know sort of clickbait articles about the rapid urbanization and the Gulf and so on. Um, uh, And if you think about that, and then you look at his work, it's a complete disconnect, right? The the cognitive dissonance between these sort of smooshy handmade paper mache sculptures and the Khalifa is just, you know, it's mind boggling really. Um, and in a way, what he's doing is that much more radical because he is staying with the material that has this roots. Um, he's not, in no way would he describe his work as um, Uh, being about or even representing or derived from cultural heritage and yet it does resonate with the landscape that existed in the UAE before um, the rise of these urban centers Um, so he's using methods of making these forms that are um, very similar to the methods that would have been used to build the houses that he grew up in which are um Uh, coral and clay and mud floor type uh, structures with no electricity as a child. There wasn't electricity until uh, later in his childhood. Um, So in a way, the sort of, you know, it sounds very like remote and rural and simple, and yet he's on a port town that has the constant circulation from um, Kuwait to India through the Gulf. Um, and down to Sri Lanka. So there was this incredible um, port town activity that made it a very cosmopolitan town, even though it's a village walled off from the rest of the UAE by the Hajar Mountains. Um, So the work actually, um, in a way, the vibrance that you see is is his fascination with bright color, which is something that didn't exist in his town so much um, because they weren't able to see the sunset. But it's also the materials and the techniques that he's using. He's speaking a physical language that is related to his childhood. Um, At the same time as he is, um, he has a very... um, Kind of involved philosophical explanation of what he's doing. And, and he, he refers to this, there's this idea that goes back to um, sort of medieval Islamic philosophy, but also um, modernism with Paul Clay, where it's, you know, the dot which makes the line. And so allowing the dot to lead the line, allowing the hand to lead the form, allowing the material to dictate its texture and so on. And that he is actually really trying to um, address and respond to uh, this, this centuries long philosophical kind of debate about what a form is, you know. Um, And and so so the bright colors come from um, paper that he has shredded. That's just craft paper, brightly colored craft paper. He shreds it and makes that into his papier-mâché. The beige and the browns come from things like the clippings of the grass around his house, leaves from the trees. All of the trees have a relationship to people he knows. So one tree is related to his mother. Another tree was a clipping from a gift from... Um, an artist friend of his and it now shades the whole garden. So the all of these things get shredded and coffee and tea and tobacco and included in the paper mache to create different colors and textures. Um, he lets it ferment sometimes. So he uses many different things to get these different complicated shades and textures. Um, and he's, he's interested in the movement from color to black and white. Um, and in thinking about the movement of the sun across the sky and how it changes color. So all of these sort of these macro and micro level of these materials, I find really kind of exciting and really um, uh, a wonderful contrast to um, what we see happening with the urbanization, but also not a rejection of it. He's also growing upward and organically in this kind of, there's something very enthusiastic and, and delightful about um the way that his work expresses his uh, his sort of adventurous spirit
0: and do you see that his work being given this platform and just generally the work that you've done with him is it inspiring younger generations can you see people sort of looking to the materials around them
1: Yes, so one thing that's very clear, um, he's part of a group of artists um, that's often referred to as the five. Um, And there are these five artists who um, were, it really was a community that was larger than that, but they're called the five because it was five Emiratis who showed in a couple of really important seminal shows in the 90s um, internationally. But they were part of a larger group um, who who all shared this this, uh, sort of philosophy of experimentation and using material that you find in your environment, um, partly as a way of um, addressing um, the new kinds of trash and refuse that show up when you're building lots of buildings and importing lots of goods, right? There's a lot more cardboard around, Um, but also um, in in a way, showing the value of the artistic labor in its own right. So that something might not be physically valuable as a material, but it's valuable because of the activity of their hands. And this interaction with their environment is something that you then see in several generations since. So now the youngest generation of artists that's emerging, they're still engaged in these questions of where they are in this very sort of tactile way, but it's tactile with a, this kind of resonance of, of metaphor and um, uh, grappling with their surroundings. And, and so it's a little bit removed from their cultural identity, but really about their experience of the world um, and the landscape that they're in. So they, to answer your question in short, yes, they definitely, he definitely has had a huge influence um, and he has, and I witnessed this, it was really quite charming actually, There's a lot of young artists who um just you know watch everything he does and keep track of it and um and just you know they're just fascinated and they come to his studio and it's like they've arrived and they're looking at everything and taking pictures of everything and you know it's really um it's beautiful to see because um he you know for a long time it wasn't clear that um that there was going to be a place for him in kind of the public forum for the art that he was making. And now it's pretty clear that there is, and he has a pretty big following.
0: Thank you to Maya for her generous insights and reflections. If you enjoyed what you heard, please do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave a review if you can. In the show notes, you'll find a number of places where you can learn more about the particular character of the UAE's art world. Join me next time when we speak to artist Mathia Abdullah about folklore, roosters, pigs, and why she isn't a feminist artist. This has been Art Worlds with me, Dr. Cleo roberts Conradi. See you on the next journey.